Curb Your Enthusiasm. Season 9, Episode 9 is over, but we're just getting started here on the Curb Your Enthusiasm post-show recap of podcast about something. And now, here are the two guys who are about to get into the weeds, and not in a sexual way, about everything. I'm Rob Sister here with Akiva Winokur. Keeve, how are you? How's it going, Rob? Oh, so good. So good. Not going to fall asleep during this show. I'll tell you that right now. No. Have you ever fallen asleep during a podcast? Um, have I ever fallen asleep during a podcast? I don't believe so. I don't think so. I think that uh, there might have been some times where I, you know, and I am really bad about like uh, anything like after nine o'clock at night, if I am sitting down, like I will fall asleep. So mm. I, I think I have probably, if I ever was going to, it was probably like uh, over this past summer when I was doing uh, Game of Thrones and then Big Brother podcasts back to back, there were probably uh, some moments where I'm like, you know, really fighting through it and like rocking in my chair to try to stay awake i mean you're not gonna get much sympathy from me on recording super late because right, i'm you're almost a always recording owl. These. you like you like to stay up late i mean i wish i could be you a day hate waking owl, up early i do hate waking up early i won't tell you what time i woke up today but the i, I i'm an i'm a night owl but i could become a day owl it's just my life sort of like uh no is, you can't is, you can't change become. you can't say i'm a night i become a day owl you you are whatever you are you can't change it all right, so I'm stuck as a night owl. My, an owl can't yeah. change its spots. Is that a thing? I mean, you can't. Maybe like when you're an old man, you could be, um, you know, then uh, a morning owl. But I mean, I think that you just can't like change it willy nilly. Willy nilly. That's the name of the owl. <laughs> but anyway, I did once fall asleep during a podcast after I asked you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I uh, I was once recording a podcast from 4 a.m. to 6 a.m., mm-hmm. which is like really that's the one time I'm always sleeping, you know. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's my sweet spot from like four to seven. Yeah. And um, and uh, I was recording a podcast and the uh, podcast uh, co-host, uh, he ra- he was wrapping it up and I figured I was done and I was like falling asleep in my in my chair. And then he like came back to me one more one more time and I wasn't expecting it and I was asleep. <laughs> and I like heard him like say my name. And anyway, uh, that's a that's a long way to bring in uh, that the guy who asked me that question. With us today. Here he is, uh, Royal Survivor Historian, uh, the host of the RHAP B&B, uh, and of course, uh, the host of uh, probably uh, 17 other podcasts as well, the great Mike Bloom! I really am a podcast shucker in that regard, right? <laughs> I, very, I freelance going from house to house, podcast party to podcast party. Keith, when you mentioned that story, there was an inkling in me that thought, was it me? Was it one of the podcasts that we did? So I'm glad you confirmed that just so I, I what had was it the podcast? I was, I'm pretty sure it was one of those uh, when we did the lead up to the Cambodia reveal vote when we recapped all the interviews that you had done. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, we did podcasts about Rob's podcast. It was very meta. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. And. And uh, what's it called? I think the first night we were supposed to record it at like, let's say nine, let's say four o'clock my time. And I just wasn't awake. I just slept through it, which yeah. I've never done before <laughs> since. And I figured, all right, like they're never going to like talk to me again. Then the next night we did it and I fell asleep at the end. But then three years later, I've never fallen asleep during another podcast. Yeah, maybe it was the medicine. 
Yeah, and did, was was your head nesting on America Ferrera's shoulder while you were drifting off at the end of that podcast? Oh, you could only dream. That's uh, just, you know, America that, Ferrera with dream. like laryngitis. I, I haven't listened to America Ferrera in quite some time, but I, I did not remember her voice was quite that raspy. Not to get too too much into the minutia of it all. Okay, well, great to have Mike Bloom here for a number of reasons, uh, most of which that he is one of the foremost Hamilton experts that we know. Uh, you you, you got to get to know a lot more Hamilton experts because I am a, a pretty low there on the list, at least compared to some of the more diehards that I know. But yeah, I mean, I've loved the musical. I have seen it. I stayed awake the through the entire thing. And I mean, when, when Keith and I were talking beforehand about me possibly coming on to one of these podcasts, I think I just got extremely lucky with the luck of the draw that, you know, we happened to bring in the episode where Lin-Manuel Miranda, Lin-Manuel Miranda is involved. It seems like next week might actually be the musical itself, very much like uh, the producer season, which ended mm-hmm. in a big performance. So, uh, you know, maybe that would have been the golden opportunity, but I'll take the silver opportunity. I'm happy to come on and talk with you guys. Yes. And of course, uh, Akiva, a huge expert of Daryl Hamilton, uh, former Mets outfielder. <laughs> That's right. I was, the truth is, I was always a Derek Bell guy. I feel like I always lumped them together. The late like great Bell Daryl Hamilton, live- I should say. Oh, did he pass? I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. A while and ago. Rob, you are the foremost expert on Darnell Hamilton. So really, <laughs> we have all the Hamiltons covered here. Yes. Okay. Everybody is covered. So uh, a lot to do in this. Uh, really, the supersized longest episode of the season. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> well, how did this episode get so long? Was it just uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda uh, chewing the scenery here? Was that what it is? I saw a quote from uh from alan sweppenwall who's we've mentioned a tweet, before, yes. super da- yeah a tweet super down in the season and i just like I, I don't like getting spoiled on the episode i don't watch it till the morning but i happen to see sweppenwall say like 45 minutes is not the optimal time for a sitcom I'm like oh boy that's got to be back curb what they do now <laughs> well yeah, yeah I, I do i, I do want to talk about this because you know i i guess my experience with the show is i've actually i've actually seen episodes of curb before i ever saw episodes of seinfeld uh i mean i'm very lucky for your guys seinfeld podcast in a myriad of ways one of them is it actually got me to watch the show for the first time but it's so interesting to sort of compare the two shows where you know they do obviously have a similar sense of humor but seinfeld is very much more conventional it runs 22 minutes with commercial breaks now harry on hbo it's essentially the wild west there quite literally is a show about the wild west on hbo right now where you have these episodes running from 30 up to 42 minutes and it's so interesting to me because i feel like curb is the more cringy of the two and because i feel like it has that length to it it allows you to wallow in it more and really experience the cringeworthy nature of its humor i'm personally still trying to figure out if it's necessarily a good thing or not it reminds me a little bit of when arrested development moved to netflix and they're like oh great we don't need to do commercial breaks anymore we can do however long episodes we want to and uh, suffice it to say season four was not completely well received i just feel like there's something in maybe being constrained by network standards makes you kind of edit a bit more and realize, okay, what should we, what's the chaff that we can cut out from this episode? Well, to be fair, that I, and I said that, was it uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda chewing up the scene? I, I don't want the, all uh, the Hamilton stands to come after me. To be fair, this was like a normal sized episode of Kirby Enthusiasm with an eight minute Judge Judy sketch tacked <laughs> on the end. But I mean, but we've been saying that they're kind of too long to begin with. The truth is, I watched these episodes twice. Twice, uh, because I'm a professional and, you know, I, I really want to catch everything. I don't want to lose any arguments anymore. Mm-hmm. But I I so when I watched it the second time, knowing that it was 43 minutes, I sort of went through it with, with like an editor's comb. And I found so many like 30 second bits that weren't necessary, like, you know, Larry and and uh, and and Jeff just sitting on the 
like on that on that those chairs and talking about like uh you know how come it's hard so hard for bold men to find you know to find women how come women aren't into bold men like we've gone over this 50 times like this is mm-hmm. a seinfeld thing this is like we could have cut that 45 seconds without even you know blinking an eye like no. there's a lot of there's a lot of sets like that that could have been cut but here's the rub, though, because you'd like to imagine that this is going to be in line to be nominated for Emmys coming up next fall. But didn't the Emmys recently constitute some sort of rule that only com- comedies can only be constituted as something that's around 30 minutes long? After that, it's a drama. That's the whole Orange is the New Black controversy. So could there be a possible realm where Curb Your Enthusiasm is nominated for Best Drama at the Emmys in 2018? No. Uh, now what's interesting though about this and i feel like that you know we've uh really uh talked about this all season long i mean what changed between uh season eight and season nine was that a provision where larry said i don't want to be defined by you know episode run length time or did hbo just take an even more hands-off approach to this i think i my guess is they, you know, were probably trying to go to him to coming back and they said, you know, you want like we don't have such popular show, you know, Vice Principles, which was kind of a DOA show was on afterwards. And Tracy now Ullman. we discussed last week, Tracy Ullman, like <laughs> nothing that they would care about pushing back or even cutting eight minutes out of. So they said, like, we'll give you a bigger budget, which they clearly have with wider shots. We'll give you know, we'll give you 40 minutes instead of 30 when you need it. And I, I think they're just spending more money on Curb. And uh, I think that's the answer. Okay, well, All this being said, I, I really had a lot of fun uh, watching this episode, not just because of the LMM factor. I thought that despite maybe it's more ballooned lane, I think there was a lot of fun stuff going on in this episode. And I'm excited to sort of ha- see where it all wraps up next week. All right. Well, let's get into the episode in question, which begins with a dinner party at Larry's house. So we talked about so many dinner parties in the world of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And of course, uh, lots of celebrating going on because the fatwa is over and good news that the musical is back on and Lin-Manuel Miranda is going to be at a meeting with Larry and he appears to be interested in doing fatwa the musical. We sort of joked about this last week, but why on earth is Lin-Manuel Miranda, who could be affiliated with any project he wants in the entire world, why is he getting involved with Fox with the Musical after everything the Larry's just been through? Is it possible that is it possible that he's just like a huge Seinfeld fan and he really wants to work with Larry? He doesn't seem to imply that at any point. No, he doesn't seem to imply that. I mean, he literally throws him on the floor during this episode. I mean, Larry did have a brief stint on Broadway, maybe uh, has some affiliation there. Or maybe Limo Miranda is sort of, I don't know, uh, chasing the next dragon, if you will, of like, what's the next big thing? You know, I almost got this EGOT. Uh, this won't necessarily get me that. But what's the next challenge that I can next mountain I can climb? And maybe just the idea of working with Larry David in a musical about a fatwa starring F. Murray Abraham and himself. Uh, that's necessarily whitewashing, but it's, it's a, certainly a certain type of washing. Uh, but maybe he just feels like it's an, an additional challenge due to the fact that he's already accomplished so much in his life. I don't know what universe any of this Fatwa the Musical takes place in where Lin-Manuel Miranda wants to be associated with this project that just made Larry the subject of like this worldwide manhunt by every uh, you know Muslim that wanted to take up the cause. Then also the people that are investing in this Lin-Manuel project, the Lin-Manuel Miranda project are Funkhauser and Richard yeah. Lewis. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> hey, well, 
producers are not yeah producers are not usually like people's friends or their next door neighbors Wait, what is this like a play gonna be like larry's backyard like that's who that's who's investing in this i think it's just to get them there next week like oh of course they're gonna be there at opening night because they're you know they're producers of the show yeah and you know, we thought rob in episode one because like mike mentioned in season four the season finale was all about larry uh doing the revival of the producers that they wouldn't go to this well again. But now it looks like the season finale of season nine is also going to be basically taking place at this Broadway show Fatwa, whereas, you know, where we thought it would, you know, I've been predicting all season it was going to be at the wedding of uh, Susie's daughter. I mean, both. we could see L- both. Looks like, looks like we would get both, yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't, uh, di- wait, why, did you see that on the next on? I yeah. did not watch the next on. Yes. There's uh, this uh, a spoiler-free uh, show, guys. I, I mean, I, I, we don't see anything <laughs> going on with the musical, but it looks like a lot going on with the wedding. Don't worry, we'll see oh, okay. the wedding at like the hour mark in the two hour finale of yeah. Curb Enthusiasm. But then on top of that, that it's actually a plot line in this episode of the show where Larry does not want Lin-Manuel Miranda to write the music for the show. And Jeff is like, hey, whatever you do, don't let Lin-Manuel Miranda write the songs for this show. The songs are fine. The songs are great. Like, what? Who's giving? What is this advice? I mean, the, I mean, these are. This is advice from the two guys who thought, let's just get our friends to invest in our musical, and we'll be totally fine. It, it's just as someone who comes from the theater world. Uh, I mean, the, the Seinfeld verse as it is never does uh, complete justice to the world of Broadway, uh, and I think this is an indication of that. Where it's like, yeah, we don't need to get the award-winning composer to work on uh, this music. Now that being said i do feel like they do a really fun job painting little more miranda as a little deranged there's that moment near the end of the episode when he's on the phone with larry and he's like these verses are going to be satanic which is not a way to necessarily describe a, a funny musical that you want to do but yeah i would say that you but should probably a give a rusty more... joke there oh that's true yes you're right about that right uh I, yeah, I came in to Salman Rushdie through Pablo Lakshmi, the beloved host of Top Chef. So it's a lot of secondhand information for me. Okay. So anyway, so we find out that Larry once fell asleep during Hamilton. He played 36 holes of golf. Uh, you know, uh, understandable for where I'm coming from. But the shucker, who apparently is a real man about town, has overheard this. And it is very uh, concerning to Larry that the shucker might go out and spill the goods on larry i I mean see i'm so unfamiliar with the world of shucking of course like can you like is this a normal thing to have someone come to your house is this like having a sushi chef i've never i I don't i didn't know that there was a job for shucking i've never seen or heard of this this i mean this is like to the point where i've never even heard of it uh i'm not to say it doesn't happen in these like uh parties on the west side but no i don't i don't know about this west side of manhattan or los angeles (laughs) west side of los angeles i mean yeah you don't have enough room in the west side of manhattan to accommodate for this this is definitely like the one percent of the one percent type of job right like if our economy ends up collapsing and we fall into a state of anarchy i feel like the first people to go are going to be the shuckers no. and those that are not necessarily there for no it no? comes it comes back around it's like a game of thrones type of like peasant occupation also so there'll be like people on the streets after like in the dystopia of like clams oysters shucking <laughs> like the, that because that'll be like one of the main forms of sustenance that we have sort of like the <laughs> shellfish that people pick off like the piers and stuff Oh, yeah, the shuck shall inherit. That is true. Right. Once sort of like the whole like livestock game goes away, then, you know, oysters and clams are going to be uh, really important. Sorry, Keith. Yeah. Natural selection, unfortunately. <laughs> Can I give you a super hot take? Like, I'm not, listen, I'm never going to have shellfish. Can I give you a super hot take? What about during the I- apocalypse? 
you think during the apocalypse, I'm going to like it's the last food left. Oysters. And yeah, what do you do? If you're if you're if you're at the brink of starvation and you see a raw bar in front of you, what are you going to do? Does God look the other way uh, or you feel like that you're closer? Yeah, to death, no, if, you... if it's if for death, for death, you could do it. Yeah. To, to fend off death. OK. But at, at this point, it sounds pretty bleak. Like if my only options for for survival is eating oysters, I feel like maybe then I'll be fine. When you're but bleak, day, something you're bleak. Yeah, I don't know. The I, I like I, I just doesn't like cheeseburgers, which I've never had sound appetizing. But oysters to me, I have no desire for. Mike, are you an oyster guy? I'm a pretty big seafood guy. I would say for if I'm ranking my shellfish, oysters might be near the bottom just because there's I mean, considering that the shucker has like a purpose there, they're just so hard to get out. Uh, and I, I, just, I don't want to work that hard. It's one reason why I've been deterred from lobster for so long. I don't mind lobster, but the amount of uh, effort you need to put in there does not necessarily equal out the taste of meat that you get from the work. Yeah, I don't get oysters. They're so expensive. And also, they are not good. I went to dinner earlier this year that I have uh, a, a friend of mine who has done very well since uh, we were very poor, broke college kids. And I went out to dinner with him and his wife and they were yeah, they ordered oysters in a nice restaurant, which they were, I'm sure, a fortune. And it's like, hey, I got to have the oysters. It's like, this is disgusting. I, I, I was oh, like yeah. Tom Hanks in big at the party uh, eating <laughs> the caviar, uh, yeah, licking the napkin. Yeah, that's well, every I mean, coming from ritzy Connecticut oysters were uh, essentially i don't know a staple i guess like the mashed potatoes of connecticut so we even have our town even has an oyster <laughs> festival every year Thanks. <laughs> all right well that being said uh so uh who is the shark is this uh tim daly from wings keeve Yes, it is Tim Daly from. Uh, no, no, it's not. No, it's Stephen Weber. Weber. Steve Weber. Sorry, Steve Weber, but from they, play, yeah. they play brothers. I think it's okay for you to just to you know mistake them. We, I used to. Are you a big Wings guy? I used to have like a good fa- uh, friend, and I would go over to his house, and his family would always be watching the show Wings. They were obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. Well, Mike, you're a big Tony Shaloub guy, right? Oh yeah, I love the Shaloub. Uh No, uh, I'm I'm more of a thigh man than a wings man myself. Uh, that, that yeah, wings is like one of the I've watched like bits and pieces of it because I do love the Shaloub, uh, and I do love Thomas Hayden Church as well in bits and pieces. Yeah. Uh, speaking of other HBO comedies that are probably not doing so well, uh, but also super size. Yeah, exactly. So, but I just, I just haven't watched too, too much Wings compared to like all the other quote unquote wacky workplace comedies, your news radios and your cheers and all that stuff. Yeah. I think though, Key, if we probably when we talked about the must see, uh, TV shows, I, I think that Wings is, uh, definitely a top three in the non Seinfeld and friends bracket of, uh, must see TV from like the post cheers era. It's sort of like there's no millennial that like Mike is is not a normal millennial, but like there's no millennial that even knows that the show ever existed. It's not like you could just like find it, I think, on Netflix or it was never really repeated after the 90s. Uh, So I just think it's like totally been lost to history. Yeah. Okay. Um what, is it ready for a remake? Uh, you know the what were they? they? They were like an airport concession center. They were like a small like like mom small and pop airline. airport, right? Yes, exactly. Right. It wasn't just an airline. Um, oh man, could you could you imagine Wings twenty seventeen? We just had to drag this guy off the plane again, right? Oh, you got the TSA, put that in there. Then you have like all these like net jets, like but you know rich people on their private jets, like uh, coming in and out of the airport. I feel like it could still work. It could work. I do think like half of the failed like network pilots every year are set in airports and they just don't make it to air. But it's it's possible. 
that this could happen. They don't make it to air, unlike the planes in said shows. <laughs> All right. <laughs> is it a, a remake or is it a reboot? Is it the same oh, airport mean, now, or is it we just like are putting? Are we, no, are we you remake. Well, you don't even have to call it Wings. I think the show doesn't have enough cachet. <laughs> or, or so you're, you're not doing like a Fuller House. You're not doing Wingser uh, or Wings Two, where you bring them back. By the way, I'm just checking out. Wings is on Hulu for all American listeners out there if they want to check it out. Yeah. Wow. Well, Rob, we're we're in two weeks. I think we could start the Wings. Start games. it up. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Going back. Uh, anyway, that being said, so the uh, there's a knock at the door. There's a woman, uh, Rose Shapiro is her name. Uh, the appropriately named Rose is she will be very concerned with the plants in the house. Uh, that she was the person that sold Larry this house five years ago. Maybe that we'll go back and have a flashback episode to when Larry bought the house from Rose Shapiro some point down the road. She wants to see how the house is doing, and she's unhappy with everything, especially the poor ficus that Larry has let almost be on the brink of death. Akiva, is it even a thing to sell a house to somebody and then a a plant stays? It is weird, right? If she cared about the plant, why didn't she take it? And you could Mm -hmm. think like maybe she moved to a small apartment, but we see that she didn't, right? Where maybe she wouldn't have had room for it, but she does. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, the timeline is also strange on this as well, because, I mean, she said it's been five years since she sold him the house. Has she not stopped by at any point since then? This is the first time she just had like a random brain blast and said, wait a minute, that ficus that I left in that house five years ago, I need to tend to it. Well, I have a theory on this that I believe that Rose is uh, beginning some sort of an onset of dementia where she Mm. wants to Mm -hmm. go back and like uh, she might even think she still lives there. Like, yeah, it's like, okay, yes, she knows that that she sold the house, but, you know, she probably could be somewhere in between. Like, yes, I sold the house, but it's still my house. That's still my plant. It just seems weird that the ficus was left there. I mean, I could see Larry sort of like in like uh, coming to look at the house and then asking like the real estate agent like uh, so does the plant come with the house and like uh, do you want it like oh yeah I like that plant I could, I, I could keep that ficus there uh, and then that's how he ended up getting it in the first place but then he just didn't take care of it it checks out okay anyway so uh, I love Larry uh, yelling at this woman though he gets like slightly more mad at her every time she like goes into another room. Right. But it's understandable. I mean, she doesn't yeah. have any right. I mean, there's been times this season where Larry has got mad at people that are just either doing their jobs or minding their own business. And he seems like that not have any sort of a reason to get that mad at her. I mean, Mike, he has good reason, right? Yeah. The, the interesting thing about Larry David to a char- for, as a character for me is I'm still trying to figure out whether we're supposed to be with him or against him. And I feel like as with a lot of answers, it always lies somewhere in between that most of the time I'm usually against him. It's moments like him looking at a picture of a baby and saying that baby looks Asian as the very first thing he says. Even in this uh, exchange in the agent's office, the first thing he says when meeting Lin-Manuel Miranda is, hey, let me cash in on this favor immediately. Get me tickets for my shucker. Uh, But then you have these moments like this where you're like, yeah, I might behave the same way in that situation. I know that's sort of Keeve's M.O., his own Akuna Matata, if you will, of, of live life like Larry. But this is definitely a situation where I would sympathize with him more than I would oppose him. Mm-hmm. All right. So he ends up coming back to the dinner party and... And we hear Bridget talking about some of these other guys that she's been with. Uh, it talks about Todd, who had a man bush uh, and the leaning tower of Peter. 
And Larry is uh, not interested in hearing anything, even about how uh, Peter was a biter. Well, can we talk about also about the fact that I guess uh, I guess Bridget was OK coming back, at least for this one instance. Again, we don't know if they're officially done because they seem like they had a very uh, similar ending last episode and she came back. But I guess she got over the whole uh, incident of the pool being befouled and decided, oh, you know what? Eddie wasn't meant for that school anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that she'll be back next week, too. Oh, I think this is it for her. You think this is it? Yeah, I think I think this was a breakup. Like she's giving him already like the ex-boyfriend nickname at the end of the episode. Long balls. I think Larry. this is it for Lauren Grimm. Maybe we see her for a second, but I don't think they're still dating. Yeah. Uh, I mean, of all of the potential nicknames, uh, Long Balls Larry, uh, not the worst you could do. We already know from season seven that, uh, you know, he is Long Ball Larry. So it's kind of a good callback to a couple seasons ago. OK, so. When we uh, come back to the party, uh, the shucker, you know, he's talking about how it was a shucksess. Uh, Mike, I'm sure you can appreciate his wordplay game. And yes, I'll be using that as the title of one of my articles soon. If a shucker ever wins Survivor. <laughs> Lauren Rimmer's not a shucker, is she? I, I, I might. And if Lauren Rimmer ends up, I'm going to mark this down, a verbal contract, signing it like an NDA, but not in a sexual way. If Lauren Rimmer wins, I will put this in the article, Lauren Rimmer finds success in Survivor. Yeah. Anyway, so the shucker, the, Larry has to have a conversation with him about he's concerned that the shucker is going to go around and tell people that Larry fell asleep during Hamilton. I mean, uh, Kiva, this is almost like the uh, making out during schindler's list to fall asleep during hamilton yeah but why is he concerned like how does this shucker have any access to lin-manuel miranda like it like there should have been a, a through line there right he's such a man about town well it wouldn't make more sense if lin had lived there but as they even talked about in this episode he's a new yorker who happened to be in la for this hamilton opening performance it's not like i mean who knows he might be holding a house party as maybe like a cast party after the premiere but I agree with Keith. It doesn't make sense for me for him to be really running in the same circle as the shucker for this information to come out. But I mean, it gives us an opportunity for some nice extortion. Yeah, I feel like that we could have set something up where he had another party coming up that was also going to be something uh, with Lin-Manuel Miranda or Lin-Manuel Miranda was going to be at the next party that Larry was hosting at the house. And then he was worried that they could they need they couldn't not have the shucker. And so they needed to shut him up during the uh, next party. I feel like that, that probably would be the cleanest way to not give him a direct line to Lin-Manuel Miranda, but also have the possibility that he might run into Lin-Manuel Miranda. I just, it, the stakes are too small. Like, why does he care about this? Yes. And like, why would Lin, and to, would Lin even care? Uh, that I'm not so sure about. Uh, and, and then ultimately to have the sort of out at the end of the episode be that the guy wants $2,500 uh, to buy the tickets back. I mean, we've talked about this a number of times uh, this season when the stakes are like, oh, I guess old La is out $2,500 now. That'll really set him back. Yeah, you won't have to go with your Seinfeld counter of how much money Larry has spent because it's sort of like a Scrooge McDuck infinite vault of money at this point. What, what I will, what I will give a. Oh, yeah, by the way, we forgot to update that for the last hundred thirty episodes of the series. No, Whoops. I know. Could have, could have saved that for the last uh, for the live episode. I'm sure somebody coming would have had a count of it. But what I will credit, give credit to with that this was episode how much is, money Dan Benefactor owed to charity by the end of the series. So he made yeah. he made Jerry even Steven, <laughs> just like he wanted to be. Uh, the the thing about this episode is I. 
I thought at first we were going down the path of, oh, Larry has promised tickets to too many people, and Lynn's only going to give him a couple. Uh, it's much like a, an old Aaron Carter song about how he was. Uh, he told everyone that he could go to his brother's Backstreet Boys concert, but he only had a certain number of seats. So I'm happy we, they at least didn't go in that sitcom convention route and instead went down the weird rabbit hole of shuckers who were trying to... Uh, I guess it's the opposite of scalping, right? Is it putting the scalp back on and because he, he's sort of he got the tickets, but now he's selling them back to them? Mm, I don't know if there's a word for that. I don't know if that's a thing yet. We might have invented something. <laughs> Unscalping? Unscalping. <laughs> All right. So Larry, I thought this was so funny that he makes everybody. All right. All right. Party's over. <laughs> that's it. And everybody's just like, oh, this is so typical. This is so you. He's like, I, I don't like all the lingering. You had you came. You had a nice dinner. Let's go, people. <laughs> I love how it seems like every you said there's so many dinner parties held this season, but none of them have ended successfully. They've always ended with somebody getting kicked out or the host kicked kicking people out <laughs> yeah they, they do they all have the same the same ending of everybody all right, all right every that's it i'm leaving let's go <laughs> yeah actually every single meal on this show <laughs> you know yeah, what i think i'm gonna go with richard lewis and he's just like no, no i'm gonna leave now yeah, somebody either somebody is gonna go or is they get kicked out every single meal that gets eaten <laughs> All right, so the shocker has left the cowboy hat, and Jeff is going to take it with him. We find out from a conversation between Jeff and Larry, Susie loves the cowboy hat. She has a perversion for cowboys. Keith, is this a thing? I mean, I don't. I like. I'm sure there are women who are very into cowboy hats. I don't think like this is totally uh, impossible. I'm surprised that Susie has it, but you know, you've been married to Jeff for 30 years. Maybe you got sick of him. Maybe it's just a new look, and she's into yeah. it. What, what what do we think? What do we think about Jeff and the cowboy look? By the way, did he pull it off? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. Is it supposed to be that he pulled it off? I, I think he pulled it off a little bit. <laughs> Listen, uh, I I think Jews and cowboy hats are always a little tough to do. Maybe it's because Garland's a little bit rounder. He like fills out like the big burly Western man a little bit more, but. I don't know. Don't put him on a marble pack anytime soon. But I, th- I thought he did a good job. Uh, I don't know. Keith, what do you think? I like the look. I kind of like it. I don't think it's for me, but I, I think he looked pretty decent. Okay. See, Rob, it's, it's these Jews we have. We're like, we, we want what we can't have. And what we can't have is us looking good in a cowboy hat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that we end up going into uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's office uh, or the office of his agents. And again, they're talking about like, oh, don't let Lin-Manuel Miranda write the songs i mean god forbid uh you know the most uh famous uh songwriter for uh broadway what of the last uh 100 years mike uh uh, he's right he's right up there with steven sondheim who really hit his peak in the 80s i would say so i'd say for the past like 25 to 30 years yeah god forbid he writes the songs for fatwa the musical and so we go into the office and there's a guy who is that lin-manuel miranda's agent akiva Yes, this is Lynn Manuel's Miranda's agent, whose whose office they're using. Uh, if you're a Gilmore Girls fan, which I know you are, Rob, mm-hmm. he is. Um, his real name is Yannick Truesdale. I think he's Michelle. Ooh, Mike, are you a Gilmore guys guy? Gilmore I, guys guy? I was Gilmore not, girls I'm, guy. Uh, the, I'm not the Gilmore guys podcast fan, but that's a, a that's a show I've definitely not watched. Not that there's anything wrong with that podcast. 
Of course not. There's there's no, a, it's mu- good podcast. There's a mu- my wife is a giant fan of Gilmore Girls, so I definitely watch a bunch of episodes, but I don't know. I find that's a missed opportunity then. Couldn't Bridget have come by so we see Lauren Graham and this actor interact? Right, there are two people the from time? Gilmore Girls. That's probably, maybe she got him the gig. I don't know if that's a coincidence. Mm-hmm. And so we see Judge Judy on the TV. <laughs> it turns out that Judge Judy is this guy's client. We never really get the explanation of how Larry and Rose the ficus lady end up on Judge Judy. Does he call in a favor with this agent then? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, that uh, that Akiva, do you have a... Uh, I mean, if a big celebrity wants to go on Judge Judy... Or any any person of any renown, I'm sure they're happy to have them. Yeah. Did that happen when Gandia Johnson asked to go on Judge Judy? <laughs> she I was mean, recently if on. You there? know the right people. You know who to call. <laughs> uh, Johnny Fairplay was on a couple of those uh, judge shows. <laughs> I'm gonna guess he was the defendant. <laughs> okay. W- w- was it for robbing me in fantasy football? I think like so. he did I a, think a, he a week take ago? him back. <laughs> okay, I will take him. Um, there should be like a fantasy football Judge Judy. That, by the way. I would watch that show if there was people just yelling at each other over their shady fantasy football trades. Yeah. Uh, isn't that, isn't that this called guy hasn't paid fans? his dues since 2013 and like you go in front of Matthew Barry. Yeah, uh, it not, would be a good, great uh, idea. I don't know necessarily if like if it's too niche for ESPN, but I feel like that there's like there should be some upstart like sports network that should do that. All right, we could do it on we could do it on Facebook. That's our that's our bit for next. Yeah. Yes, uh, the the home of Lavar Ball, Facebook, and the fantasy <laughs> uh, fantasy football judge show. I mean, if you could They're get Lavar Ball to be the judge, I mean, I think you got a real hit. <laughs> By the way, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> Former Jet Lavar Ball, he was on the Jets for uh, a hot minute one summer. Yeah, I heard he made thirteen million dollars this past week. <laughs> Are you Darren Rovell? <laughs> that's what I saw in an article that was tweeted that he okay. that he got into a, a Twitter feud with Trump and they said that his personal net worth went up 13 million dollars well I think expo- like oh, exposure good. was worth 13 million I think that's what they I was mean, gonna right? say now now his number is up to 11 million dollars because he's probably in the negatives going in yeah okay Anyway, so uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda comes in and what do we think about Lin-Manuel Miranda as a ca- as a Kerber enthusiasm character Akiva I like him. I think uh, my my issue with with Lin Manuel, let's call him LMM because it's hard to say his name so many times. With LMM is LMM's no picnic. I know, but what, Lin? Should we just call him Lin? Like, I think we yeah, call him Lin Sanity. I, my my issue is like it's cool to have him. I I don't I like the story. Like, first of all, they clearly like a guy who's that famous. Like you probably only have him like a certain amount of time, which is why like he's not at all. He doesn't show up in the final scene. Right. He's not on stage. He's not actually in the play. Mm-hmm. You don't see him at uh, in the in the in the in the final scene at Hamilton. Um, I, I, I my my one issue is with the scene at the end. I think like like Larry pushes him. They have they have a fight on the floor and there's just like no consequences to that fight. Right. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. There's no ma- there's no mention. And they, and they seem to be just very excited to still be working together. Right. They're just like fighting over the chair. But again, there's no like. All right, now we just had this fight. Now, like, we're not going to work together, or this is going to be awkward. But in general, yeah. I think it's exciting to have someone like at the height of his powers. Like, you know, there's so many people who clearly just wanted to be on the show, like Jimmy Kimmel and and Lin Manuel, who are you know who who are there. So it does seem like when we said this in episode one of the season, like it's a little bit like a bloated like sequel, like one of these big time movies. Like, let's just get big cameos now that we're famous. The Sharknado of comedy, exactly. <laughs> 
what I will say is that I, I really enjoyed the characterization of Lin that because I, I think he's known as being like a super nice guy. And I think when he's made appearances on shows like this and on Difficult People and on Inside Amy Schumer, he's definitely become a, a worse version of himself, almost like the extras version of himself that Ricky Gervais show where like mm-hmm. he's a total blowhard now who, uh, you know, is in, well, he's also like on, the like, only like nice person online. Right. He's like one of the oh, only yeah. people with like. I don't want to say universal approval rating because I'm sure there's a lot of people that are sick of like Hamilton, but he's like he seems very nice and his approval rating is basically as high as anybody's nowadays. Mm-hmm. But what I will say, my 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 one issue with his characterization is it's sort of like in line with what Keith said. I I don't know what his motives are. Like I don't know if he's intentionally undermining Larry or if he's just so off in his own head that he's sort of like just ignoring what they're saying. You know, and we got a glimpse of that, as you were talking about, in the race to the desk, where it seems like he really wants to wield that power. But then there's really no mention of it. And again, we might get some mention of it next week. I think he does make a cameo appearance in the the next time on. But I'm still trying to, like, wrap my head around exactly what kind of character he is. You know, he's, he's, he's not attained the level of, like, Michael J. Fox in terms of, like, a very good sketched character in this curb universe yeah and it's not even like that we get that oh i think fatwa the musical is a brilliant idea i just want to sort of like take it over and make it my own like we just don't know, know what his motive is in terms of any of this well, that being said, I also question Lynn's judgment. Uh, never deny a Broadway show, Mandy Patinkin. That man is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Even though I don't know how, I don't know how he would do in the Ayatollah. He has the beard to pull it off, at least. <laughs> well, F. Murray Abram is also a, ho- a Homeland guy, right? I think they're just two Homeland stars that they're arguing about. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Larry and Jeff realize that Lin Manuel Miranda has all the power. MMM LMM has all the power because he's sitting behind the desk. They need to get him out from behind the boss desk. Yeah. So Rob, I know you have a standing desk uh, in your studio. If if someone were to come in, like, would you feel that power dynamic? Does a standing desk even trump like a large desk that you're sitting behind? Well, that uh, my desk does not really face out in a way where I could like take a meeting with somebody on the other side of the desk. Like it doesn't really uh, convert that way. But I do think that there's definitely something to that. Yeah, you have all the power behind that desk. Someone asked uh, if uh, if like we're sort of like the betas here because you have like a more expensive microphone. Yeah, that, so you're no, like that. that's that's a hundred percent right. <laughs> Yeah, is that the podcast version of like the desk height is the type of microphone that you use? Right. And you guys can like eat all the onions you want. But until you, you know, get that very expensive microphone, you're just sort of just like uh, moving the deck chairs around the office. I mean, <laughs> as many oysters as I want, because there's no repercussions. <laughs> okay. Uh, so they're gonna have another meeting with uh lmm uh meanwhile uh bridget is doing some homework uh mike is the show they're watching uh chicago homicide with uh jerry o'connell is that a real show no but it might as well be uh jerry o'connell and ali larder as well i didn't recognize her until i looked uh looked it up on imdb fake show Uh, but yeah it's Fake show, yes. Uh, not actual factual. But again, uh, I mean, the the point here that, that, you know, if you put Chicago in front of everything, it'll uh, it'll be a hit show. I mean, that definitely exists within the Dick Wolf side of things, right? Because he was, uh, I, I, now I'm drawing a blank on all of these Chicago shows, but like now they're festooned amongst the NBC lineup, all of these Chicago blank shows. I, I think it might be a few years from now until we get Chicago teachers, but it's an eventuality. Okay. Akiva, do we need to rebrand our Wings reboot as Chicago Airport? 
That's not bad. Chicago uh, Air, O'Hare? I think. Is- <laughs> no. That's pretty good. Chicago <laughs> Airport, Mike. Don't, don't break the The problem format. is if we give Dick Wolf a piece, he's going to be all, he's going to be the alpha. He's going to be at the big chair. And we're going to be the little boy sitting and, and beside him. And then it's going to turn into like a gritty crime drama instead of a sitcom. Okay. Ooh, maybe they maybe they kill off Steven Weber in like the first five minutes of the in first the pilot, episode. Like Lost, well, Lost was supposed to be. But what kill if, the pilot. Has, has, Dick, has, has Dick Wolf ever made a comedy? Maybe this could be like his first comedy. Uh, an unintentional comedy? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. We got we to look into that. Um, so we end up hearing a noise. Larry ends up going to check it out. Rose, the plant lady, is back. Larry has never changed the keys. And uh, I, I really I love when he's yelling at her. And he's saying, like, uh, what are you doing here? Like, we don't have an alumni weekend here like a college. <laughs> <laughs> so she, this is where we see uh you know she's coming back to water the ficus i mean he should almost be happy he's she's really just like you know doing some home improvements for him for free coming into water uh, why doesn't he just offer her the plant to get out of there yeah that I, well, I was even wondering from shapiro's perspective i mean she eventually takes the plant but why does she why does she take it at first what really does she like think oh now that i scolded him maybe it'll come back and it'll be beautiful again and that turns out not to be the case well i think in larry's brain you know once she's offended him now like if she just came over and said oh do you still have that ficus could i have that back i think he would have said oh here get you know get it out of my uh you know uh i was gonna say hair but i, I don't want to make a you know a, like uh you know bring that into it but the one season he's been insulted, then now now he won't do her any favors. Yeah, I just this. I, I, I also again like maybe the dementia is getting worse, and that's why she like is is willing to go all the way out there and uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, steal the plant the third time she comes in. Yeah. Also, why does he change the keys? Like he's so lazy. <laughs> Especially uh, once the fatwa. The yeah. <laughs> I guess he doesn't think that she's coming. You know how easy it is to get keys. Uh, like he could. I mean, they could very easily find. Maybe he just feels a little more safe, carefree now that the fatwa has been called off. But like they could easily find this woman and say, "Hey, just give me a, or even just give me your keys." And then they're in there, lickety split. And he got rid of that big burly security guard who got <laughs> spooked easily. Yeah, but how would they know that the former owner had the same keys? Larius and changed the locks. I mean, did you see what that guy was doing last episode? The deep amount of research that he was doing? <laughs> they, so. they have connections. <laughs> All right. So uh, we see Jeff and Larry back again, uh, waiting to meet with LMM. Uh, Jeff is sick of Susie and this cowboy fetish. He's had enough of this. Yeah. I mean, why? Like, I, I, it's funny that like, uh, you know, I, like, is Jeff still with the real estate agent on the side? We don't know that because he says he's sick of being with Susie and like, what, you know, is like, does he have other options or is, is it just Susie? Uh, I think it's just Susie. Uh, yeah, well, it's interesting as well, because I mean, I think we can also talk about the, the revelation at the end that Susie is sleeping with the shucker. Mm-hmm. And if that makes it like, is it twice as funny now that they're both have both cheated on each other? Or is it just like twice as worse well, or is it both? First of all, I'm glad that uh, there was some uh, comeuppance that comes to Jeff. And I'm not just talking about that. He had to pay for the expensive house. So good for Susie uh, in all of this. But Keeb, the question I want to ask you, and uh, I'm not sure if this is in your forte or not. Is it possible that Jeff and Susie have an open marriage? No, of course not. Other than that, the first episode earlier this season makes no sense. Well, there, maybe it's, it's just it sort of like, well, because she didn't get that. She wasn't that mad about it. She may not like it. No, she was mad. No, no, no. The, Jeff would lose his mind. But my prediction is that they end up the season ends with Larry and Jeff like 
Jeff finds out about about this or maybe Susie found, you know, like gets real proof of, of Jeff cheating or with some other person. And Jeff and and Larry end up like living in the house together by the end of the season. Hmm. OK. Mm. Uh, what about Leon? Oh, he's there, too. Like all the all the boys are there. Maybe Ted Danson gets kicked out by Cheryl and he's there, too. <laughs> and, and he retires from acting. and He realizes he has no money left. So he has to move in with Larry. Mm-hmm. It's, they all may they all may move in together. And also, we're never going to get uh, we're never going to get an answer on uh, on on the blowjobs thing from the first episode either. Are we remind me again where it's like, you know, like Larry said, Cheryl wasn't into that. And then like one, there was like a weird thing. I didn't know that was know, a cliffhanger. Like a, Oh, I don't know. It was for me. I mean, <laughs> is that going back to the Tahoe story? Because we never got an answer on that. Yeah, well, that was more what things that Larry did. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't know what Larry did. So that ta- the Tahoe story sounded more like Larry-centric. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's possible. Okay. Uh, Ted Danson comes through. Uh, Larry asks if Ted Danson is going to retire soon. No, he still has a lot of projects left in him. Uh, he brings up that they're going to Tahoe. Uh, Larry says, oh, I took Cheryl to Tahoe once as well. And then there's a bit of a snicker. He said, yeah, she told me about that. And Larry is convinced that that the Tahoe story has been passed on. I I feel like that this was a drop ball. I mean, 45 minutes and we can't get the Tahoe story, Mike. Yeah, I, I wonder if this is something that they might address in the next episode or down the line. But I feel like it's also really tough it's almost like uh the suitcase in pulp fiction where like the best thing to do is not mention it in order for us to really use the best of our imagination because if we inevitably found out what it was we'd say oh that was a disappointing lead up to it not if it was samuel l jackson's soul that's true that's true we'll have to wait until uh larry's in a diner and two young hooligans decide to stick it up for us to truly find out what happened in tahoe Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, so Larry ends up uh, being told by LMM about how that he cannot get the tickets that he's requesting. Uh, he Lin-Manuel, LMM says, you can't have them. I can't even get the tickets. You can have my personal tickets. Keith, is this really a thing? Because uh, I feel like I've heard him say this, too. I've heard him. Uh, you tell a story on one of the 32 fans podcast that he was telling people on like a radio interview. I can't even get tickets for Hamilton. I think he just says yeah. that. I think he can get all the tickets I, he wants. I think he has to. But I do feel bad for him because could you, you could imagine and if everyone who went to high school with him, anyone who's friends with him has to ask him for tickets constantly. Uh, this has to be like the main thing in his life, especially now that there's like four hard to get, you know, shows right there in Chicago that I think they're in L.A. Like it's impossible. Like His whole life must be uh, diverting people who ask tickets to some person who's going to say no to them. Mm-hmm. It, it must be awful, honestly. But 100 percent. This uh, is a lie that he can get as many tickets as he wants. I don't I, I think it's limited. Again, he doesn't own the whole show, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, Mike would know better than me, but I, I, I like I, he obviously could get a couple tickets to each show, but I don't yeah. think he has an unlimited supply of tickets. Like that's how they. No, make I, money. I don't think I don't think he can necessarily because I think the theater inevitably wants to prefer people who can buy their tickets over ones that are just given away. Even though Lynn at one time did that whole ham for ham ten dollar lottery that drew a bunch of acclaim, but I mean I think that the thing is more so that. Uh, you know, he does doesn't want to give tickets. Be, I mean, I think he'd be fine if even Larry said like, "Hey, can you give it to like my agent or or you know to to my ex wife or to to my friends?" I feel like it's the relationship is the reason why he's deciding to sort of uh, hold out from giving out those tickets. Yeah, 
I think he could get as many tickets as he wants. It just depends on the day. Like, he can't get a t- the show tomorrow. Those tickets are all gone. But for the next time the tickets go on sale, like, they, I think he could get as many as he wants. He's putting up a good There's also a the difference space. between people paying and, and, like, I'm sure there's some people, like, I'm happy to pay, just give me tickets, versus people who want freebies. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so we see Larry and Leon talking about what happened in Tahoe, and Larry doesn't want to talk about it. And we get to this theme of there's no discretion anymore, that nobody can just keep a secret. The Shucker can't keep a secret. Uh, Bridget can't keep secrets. Cheryl can't keep secrets. Uh, no discretion in the world anymore, Keeve. No, I think it's true. And everyone, everyone just talks and, uh, and like, you know, people spilling the beans about, uh, you know, all these things. Yeah. Um, it is true. I, I want everyone in my life now to sign a non-disclosure. Yeah. Well, Mike, my, one of the, one of the, like the roughest parts about having older kids is like, you're worried that they're going to just like, you know, they're going to like go out and like, oh, you know what my daddy did? Or like, you know what? Like they're going to hear things in the house. Like, oh, my parents were talking about you last night and they said, you're stupid. Yeah. You know, like. Uh, like all that stuff. So I want my kids have to sign NDAs. No, in order to, like, I think that the, the NDA table. is about to, you know, go away. I, I think it is uh, the, the age of the dinosaur because, you know, let's say like oh, I'm buying the NDA. No, no. Why do you it, think so? It. Let's say Harvey Weinstein had an NDA with all these people. If, yeah, I think he did with some of them. Yeah, And then they come forward. And then what is he going to do? He, then he he's going to sue people then after that. He after? can't sue them. He can't. Sue so, them, then what, no. so then what good is the NDA if it doesn't stop? <laughs> stop mm. anybody from disclosing something yes it's, it's, it's more as a more of the honor system it's like a little bit of, of a facade I, th- I think also the advent of social media makes it really tough as well if somebody right? has the goods on you and you dis- and they disclose it then you can't put that toothpaste back in the tube and say well now i'm taking you to court yeah maybe i mean i don't know we could get a uh, chester or a real lawyer to write in and, and let us know like what they think let's NBA. bring on judge judy yeah oh yeah the only time that an NDA is worth anything is when somebody discloses something that wasn't that good to begin with and that nobody cares. And then you've disclosed and then you get sued. But if you right. if you have something that's going to you know ruin somebody, just disclose away. I do think there are athletes that make like or, or celebrities that make uh, like any any potential partners sign NDAs before anything happens. Yeah. And again, just the threat of a lawsuit from a wealthy person is enough to scare you away. Right. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know necessarily. But what do they disclose? Like they're just, if they're just disclosing gossip, you know, then that's sort of like fine. That's like, again, that's not that good. It may be a little interesting, but it's not that good. Whereas like if you have like, a, you know, let's say like Aaron Judge has some woman sign a non-disclosure agreement and then she comes to his house and, you know, he's got like, you know, a hundred bodies. <laughs> in the basement then and she discloses that well then he can't sue her then right right it has to be like a pretty middling piece of gossip i agree yeah okay uh where you get in trouble right get in trouble but like nothing right nothing that's going to get you into jail because then like the law won't care about the nda <laughs> okay all right so uh jeff has some uh bad news he's having some health issues uh Susie has uh sprained him uh paging dr mike zahalski here Yes, where's the PSA about uh, having sex in a cowboy hat? Okay. Uh, Keeve, you have shown over the years of podcasting oh together that you have go? you have a lot more familiarity with doctors and physicians than I ever oh could imagine. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Is a penis chiropractor a thing? 
Oh, I don't know. We I, like we we'd have to call up Dr. Mike or a urologist for that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that I've I've never I've never heard of this before. Oh, I've I've seen it as a convention a few times. Most recently on New Girl, I think there was a storyline where Schmidt had so much sex that this happened. Uh, so I, I don't know if we'll see any consequence of it. I think it might have just been a a way to get the pain pills in there and sort of close up the cowboy hat storyline, but. It's not something I've heard about in real life, but definitely in the world of television. Okay. Uh, Larry sees the ficus plant is gone, and then he and Leon end up going to the house. There is a conversation at the door, Keeve. Uh, Larry wants Leon to take the do-rag off. Leon says that the do-rag is part of the Scarf or Ascot family. Where do you come down on this? Um, yeah, I, I, it's, I, I don't know about an ascot, but yeah, I think the do-rag is like, I don't know, it's, it's, hmm. it's probably like a cousin of like the yarmulke or something. Cousin of the yarmulke. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, but that's the thing though, is that like my distinction from it is that you don't wear an ascot on your head. Like that's my thing. I, w- I would consider this something you wear on your head is distinctly different from something you wear around your neck or around any other part of your body. Hmm. Yeah. Larry says he doesn't like the optics. Uh, Rose doesn't seem to mind it. Or she doesn't call it out if she does. Though who knows what she's seeing if your theory holds true. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And so they go in and uh, Leon and Larry discuss uh, taking her dog if they're not going to let them take the plant. Uh, I like the discussion that Larry and Leon have about whether or not they're going to take that dog with them, Keeve. Yeah, I mean, this leads nowhere, right? Like the dog thing is funny. And then they don't even take the the hat. They don't take the hat off the guy and the hat like connects to Lee, to, to Jeff's hat. Uh, it doesn't make any we sense. We were just talking about Leon's do rag. <laughs> it's crazy that they don't take that. I don't I, care. I, know. I, I, I liked it, though. I specifically like this idea that like they were trying to be like tough thugs and like, if you don't give this this, we'll take something of yours. But they just got into such fickle arguments about everything that like they ended up completely failing. And I, I, I agree that it might have been uh, a little vestigial to everything, but I still really enjoyed it as a curb piece. Mm hmm. Okay, so Larry is driving. He gets a phone call from Lin-Manuel Miranda. Lin-Manuel Miranda says he can't wait to get in the weeds of this thing. And Larry does not want him to get into the weeds. Again, uh, you know, uh, Larry seems to be very protective about having Lin-Manuel Miranda touch anything with this musical. Because what the hell does Lin-Manuel Miranda know about musicals? And uh, he wants uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda to focus on other things. Yeah, out of the weeds. Get out of the weeds. All right. Uh, so Larry stops at Cheryl's house to see. Uh, basically, he wants to find out what Cheryl told Ted Danson about Tahoe. We see that Cheryl is having this big party at her house and Larry was not invited. He did not get reciprocated, even though he was invited to a party or she was invited to a party at Larry's house. Uh, I mean, well, what is going on here that Cheryl just has parties in the middle of the day? Ted Danson is working. I mean, what is this party, Keith? It doesn't make sense, right? Like, right. There's no boyfriend home. It's not. We don't know the occasion. (laughs) Right. It's not like, right. It's like a Tuesday. I mean, Cheryl, as far as we know, never worked, right? I mean, it seems like it's a weekday, right? It's, I mean, it it, it could be like a Sunday, right? I guess so. But could be a Sunday. I mean, we assume we know how it's going to end, right? Something's going to go wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That's how the dinner party will end uh, once Larry gets there. But I mean, but Lin-Manuel Miranda, was he driving or he was uh, in his office? Oh, I don't know. He 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 works seven days a week. Like he could be in his office on a weekend. He's Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah. Busiest guy in the country. I guess so. I guess so. Um, And so that the shucker is there as well. And uh, Larry goes to go talk to the shucker because he has the shucker's hat. 
And so he needs to take the tickets back from the shucker. Uh, the shucker is very upset about this. He wants $2,500 uh, so that he could get the Hamilton ticket back. What makes no sense to me here is aren't there two tickets? Because he says like, you know, well, you, he, I gave he, half he, my allotment to the to my wife and her friend. Like, why doesn't Larry have a second ticket? And then well, he here's can take the, thing the shucker. That- Here's the confusing thing is that throughout they keep saying, OK, get me tickets, get me tickets. Yeah. At the, in the final scene, one seat that Larry yeah. is occupying. It, it's yes. strange. There seems to be some sort of uh, differentiation there between the plural and the single that we actually get. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, so, yeah. Could the shucker have been Larry's plus one? Or did he, he not I get mean, a plus one? It would have made sense, right? I mean, comedically, it might not have been funny, but like it, it seems like it would have been a good problem to solve. And then maybe the shucker is the boor instead of Larry here. Mm hmm. Yeah. All right, so... Uh, like, what le- if he hits on Lin-Manuel Miranda's fake wife here? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so, Larry is with Bridget, uh, who is very taken with Larry. She says, uh, what do you want to do? We could do anything sexually. Uh, I did not find this uh, scene to be realistic. I mean, this is also... I don't want to be a, uh, a blank-did-it type of guy, but this is a sketch from Chappelle's show called The Love Contract that is a very, very similar scene with a young Rashida Jones, actually. Mm-hmm. Larry explains uh, what he would like to do, and, and he describes uh, just the most basic of sexual ideas. And Bridget seems disappointed. I mean, uh, Keeve, was this established about Bridget's character that uh, she was looking for some sort of like a uh, kinky escapade with Larry? Well, it was established at the beginning of this episode, right? That she like she's definitely sexually had a lot of experienced, right? Yes. Yeah. But also, like, you know, they didn't do it for a while. Now they already have. So now it's like, all right, she's bored. She wants to move on to something else. And, mm-hmm. uh, well, I don't you know. And she's also, she has also a job where she's listening to the word penis slip its way into conversations. <laughs> I think she, that might get her a little riled up as well. True. <laughs> <laughs> so uh larry brings out the relationship non-disclosure agreement and he says that we can both sign it. i like that he says it's fairly boilerplate and she said it's not boilerplate you just made this up <laughs> uh she says no she says no um Mike, uh, other than a contract being an unsexy thing, uh, why won't Bridget sign the relationship NDA? I don't know. Maybe it's uh, mixing work and pleasure. Maybe she feels like she's so much in the jargon when it comes to her day-to-day life. Uh, and I don't know. Maybe maybe it's because uh, the, the joke, again, with that Chappelle show thing is that like the, the act of making love, it feels weird even saying that, is so uh, warm and... And uh, intimate that this idea of like putting a cold contract in front of it is sort of like a hard stop that she lost any sort of will to be able to do something. Yeah. So should the relationship NDA come out over dinner, Keeve? Yeah, this clearly you don't wait for the bedroom. This is like this. The the train leaves the station after like the first time you meet. You have to start with this. That's like the aforementioned like celebrities that do this. Like you have to like have have your first of all, you have to have your agent do it. Like you can't even be in the room like your manager or whatever. And then like, this is too late at this point, especially like deep into the relationship. Yeah. Like, should we try this tonight? Should we both like, I'm going to like ask my wife for like an NDA. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, is that a concern? Like if, like if she like kicked me out tomorrow, she has like, a, she has, you know, 14 years of stories about me. Yeah. 
I feel like she'll never talk about me again. So, like, I almost want her to talk about me. She'll make her sign a contract that she, like, has to keep mentioning me. Yeah, I feel like my wife could get, like, a good Reddit thread going. <laughs> but That's outside true. of that, That's true. I'm good, not good, sure. Good AMA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know necessarily, like, what the interest level is going to be on that. But... Uh, Larry is saying that Bridget, when she gets upset, will never get to know Tahoe Larry. So, I mean, that gives us some clues as to what was going on there. But Larry, this is a very uncharacteristic, uh, promising orgasms galore she's passing up on. Oh, boy. I hope that was one of the Fatwa songs that Limo Miranda decided to write over. <laughs> I, I lo- love the phrasing on orgasms galore. Yeah. But to you me, kept yelling it out. It was really funny. It, this doesn't all line up between orgasms galore, Tahoe Larry, and Ted Danson's snicker. Because yeah. if it was orgasms galore, there would be no snicker. Right. Nobody what's snickers at orgasms. Galore. No, for sure. What's he embarrassed about? What's he afraid of people finding out? People yeah. are going to get to this in the in the mailbag, but it doesn't make sense. OK. All right. Uh, so we then go right from that, uh, you know, uh, smash cut to Judge Judy, Larry <laughs> versus the plant lady. And no explanation of how we get here. I mean, was this a dream sequence, Mike? Well, can we also talk about the fact that apparently everyone is watching Judge Judy? Yeah, everyone uh, in his she- life is just home at, two, at, at Tuesday at 11. That's how Cheryl can throw these yeah, parties. Uh, maybe this would happen in like 1967 when there were like four channels, but with so much at our fingertips, I don't think everyone would be watching Judge Judy at the There's same time. There's a reason why Judge Judy makes like $50 million. She makes the most money of anybody. Everybody's in watching it. Everyone is watching her at all times. Yeah. <laughs> But I don't know. I, I, want, I want to say it feels like a dream sequence because, again, like Curb is not necessarily nested within reality. But I mean, this is another example, as Keith said, of, uh, you know, the increase in budget that they were able to save. Not only are we going to get Judge Judy to be mentioned on the show, we're going to actually have them go onto the set and, you know, adjudicate a case. Mm hmm. Yeah, well, I don't think it's a dream sequence just based on that we see people uh, watching it and reacting right. to it. So uh, that, but it, it could have, like, maybe this might have been better served if it was a dream sequence and it could have been even wackier because it makes very little sense that this is happening in reality. Uh, we end up seeing in the case of David versus Shapiro, uh, we see Bridget call him Larry Longballs. Uh, Leon is there uh, that he wants to object. Uh, Judge Judy uh, shoots him down and we get a lot of the reset key of some of the stuff from the first court case of the mm-hmm. season and some of the stuff that we felt like did not really work the first time around like why was larry acting like this uh does it make more or less sense when larry is offering judge judy a cough drop i mean it's it, i guess it's funny but like why are we like last week we just did a million flashbacks to classic episodes from the series why are we being so self-referential and reverential mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. To like a mediocre episode from this season. It doesn't make any sense. Right. Like, remember that thing we did five weeks ago? Like, let's do that exactly again. Yes. Yeah. I feel like I feel like when it comes to comedy, uh, you know, I guess the main thing I look to is like the Herald, which they do in UCB. You usually save your callbacks for like the very last thing you do. So between this episode and the previous one, as you just mentioned, it's weird to sort of get all your callbacks out in there instead of having callback orgasms galore in the finale. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't make sense. Also, do you notice that Judge Judy is not not really like in the scene? Like she's clearly filmed her scenes uh, without anybody oh, no, else there. I didn't there. catch that. Yeah, yeah, she's what, not she in there. And also, listen, curb? yeah, listen, she makes fifty million dollars a year. They said bring a camera. You know, you do your lines first because it's an improv show, and 
I'll, you know, I'll, I'll fill in the blanks. Yeah, she, she, you never see her with them. That's interesting. There's no interaction. Yeah. And so uh, we also hear Larry call her uh, Judge Yuhu. And he says, is this filtered water? Why are you putting out tap water? Uh, and so Judge Judy ultimately decides uh, in favor of Rose Shapiro. Yeah, the Yuhu was a good callback to, uh, to earlier this mm-hmm. season. And what does that mean? Does that mean that she just gets to keep the plant? Is yes. that all this was over? Yes. No stakes. No stakes. Okay. Uh, so uh, we got the are, are we no better than beasts in the field again? Yeah, I love <laughs> the that oxen. line. I do like that. <laughs> All right. Uh, we see Susie in bed with the shucker. Uh, will the shucker return in episode ten, Keeve? I, I I guess yes. It wouldn't stun me if no, but I would guess that maybe this this uh, you know it becomes a big part of episode ten. I mean, it's a real shocker for like a sitcom to have a turn like this. The shucker, this shocker, like Game of Thrones. A shocker, shocker. The Game of Thrones style, like, uh, you know, twist here. It needs to be, though, because they missed out on the prime opportunity this episode to say you effed the shucker. And there's a perfect rhyme scheme in that. They they need to at least make mention of it in the next yeah. episode because, that, I don't know, the wordplay, uh, <laughs> I'm just like itching it for it to come out. You that know? could be our hashtag for this episode. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we go to see Larry at Hamilton. He is sitting next to. Uh, so this is uh, uh, America Ferrera. It's ugly Betty. Yeah. Yes. yes. Uh, playing. Well, they could they not get the real Mrs. Manuel Miranda? <sighs> she's you know she's not. A, she's I think she's a lawyer. She's not an, mm-hmm. an, an actress. So no, she's she is his. She, she might not want to be a public figure. He even named his uh his very first musical in the Heights. His love interest for his character is named Vanessa, so he's very much in love with her. But I think yeah, she's very much she only makes very rare appearances in front of the camera, and so I think she would kindly say no to this idea of appearing even in like a two to three minute scene with Larry David and nobody else. Okay, and so that Larry is there talking uh, with her and saying, you know, he's not the shucker. Just, uh, I mean, I don't know if there was any possibility that she was going to confuse Larry David with the shucker. And he's talking about the clams and the oysters. And then she tells him that Lynn is very excited to get in there and do the rewriting. And uh, that he's basically saying that, no, you should he should get into the weeds of you, not in a sexual way, delve into it, uh, delve into you, not in a sexual way. And uh, then gets into how he hurt his shoulder wrestling with Lynn and goes back to the pain pills. Um, First off, uh, before I get to the pain pills, uh, Keeve, why was Larry acting like such a crazy person with Lin-Manuel Miranda's wife? Hey, you know, we we started this season with a shot of Larry in the shower looking very old. And <laughs> is maybe Larry like, also going into the onset of dementia? Maybe this whole season has been about Larry losing his mind. Is that possible? <laughs> I think that Ooh, would explain like, everything like, like this that season. one episode of BoJack Horseman? <laughs> yeah. By the way, BoJack, I was going to bring this up before. BoJack is an animated show that could be eight minutes and it's on Netflix. So it doesn't have to worry about what's on next. It could be eight minutes. It could be 52. And it's the exact amount of seconds. It's like whatever, 26 minutes, 31 seconds, every episode. Mm-hmm. I think like Curb could learn a little bit from that. Right. Because like, they don't want to have to draw is, extra stuff. Yeah. It's like, uh, is it <laughs> is, worth is it to draw it this? It like, yeah, that's why animation. Going for structure. That that's why they, like, they never about. like, you know, with uh, with filming stuff. It's like, ah, OK, it's more work for us to edit it. It's an animation. It's more work to draw the extra stuff. So they're like, ah, okay, oh, just, I, see, I thought I, I, I was thinking the other uh, the opposite. But okay, that makes sense. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just like this could just be like the demise of Larry mentally this whole season. That's what it's really been. And we missed it. I buy it. I buy it. All right. So Larry takes the pain pill 
and then falls asleep during the show and then ends up, you know, uh, you see the actors yelling at him and then he's falling asleep on Vanessa Lynn Miranda's shoulder. But to me, she saw him take the pain pill. Uh, I mean, I I don't get why she would be offended. It's still rude, right? But she shouldn't be horrified. Uh, You know, maybe she thinks, like, does he have some sort of a drug problem? But the (laughs) the fact that, you know, she saw, like, if he took the pain pill before he went in to go see her and then fell asleep during the show, I feel like that that's much more awkward than him taking medication in front of her and then falling asleep. I don't know. I feel like this just might be compounded on top of the initial impression that he left on her. I'm sure she came back from the show and was like, he was coming in weirdly and awkwardly stating who he was and uh, animately insisting he was not the shucker, that he just popped a bunch of pills and fell asleep for the entire three hours that the show was. I will say, uh, I loved the actor yelling at him. Uh, As someone who has done a a fair number of stage plays, that is something that I've always wanted to do personally. So I'm happy that actor got to live out his fantasy cathartically. Yeah. So... I, I'm just trying to um, wonder aloud if we just removed everything with Lynn Manuel Miranda in this episode, Keeve, is, is that a better yeah. episode of television? I mean, what's like, it's just about the shucker. Like, what is the it? Shucker I feel like and, 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 and Rose Shapiro. And, uh, and Rose Shapiro. But but he's not hoarding anything about Lynn over his head or maybe he is. But you never see Lynn. Right. Right. Yeah. The Rose Shapiro stuff is great. I don't hate the I don't hate the Lynn stuff. By the way, speaking of falling asleep, I don't think I told you this. At the at your live show uh, during during the um, not during your your performance, but when we were when we were watching the television show at like eight thirty five, I fell asleep during commercial and slept through the next commercial break. Yeah. For Big Brother. And people saw me like, hey, you were you were what would you say? For Big Brother, right? Not or it's for the Survivor show. No, Survivor for Survivor. But not, I, was not saying, during... I, was, I was sitting next to you at Big Brother. I'm pretty sure that didn't happen. No, I would have fallen asleep on you. I'll like America. You would have been exactly. my, my America Ferrera. <laughs> No, no, I, but I fell asleep for like 15 minutes um, and woke up for tribal council. Okay. But, um, so I, I empathize with like some. No, I mean, my sister probably wasn't thrilled, but the, I, I think um, like those seats now are just too comfortable in theaters. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. I, I don't like it. That's why I got to get a lot of coffee when I go to these uh, movie theaters that they should have you sit on benches, right? I mean, I, 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 one summer there was nothing to do at nights except like we're in the middle of like upstate New York when I was in camp. And so we would go out to these, um, go out to, to uh, the movie, like a movie theater, which is like a 25 minute drive, which is like the only thing to do. It was like movies or bowling. And three nights in a row, I fell asleep. I think I fell asleep during Road to Perdition. And this was right before I met Sounds my wife. Sounds about right. Yeah, Road to Perdition. And I, I'll have to check up the other two names. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, and, and like the girl I went with was like, uh, like, why do you keep going to movies to fall asleep? I'm like, well, I'm not going to fall asleep. Like, <laughs> I'm just tired after like a day of like uh, watching kids and uh, this camp. Like, I, you know, like my goal is that. But she was very annoyed and we, she never went to the movies with me again. After the third time, I fell asleep. OK. All right. Uh, and then uh, what do we want to grade this? Want to uh, give our episode ranking? Yeah. Mike, you want to go first? Uh, what's what's the scale that you're providing this time? I know you like to sometimes uh change it based on the material from the episode okay. uh, well mm. let me just say that i did really like it when uh larry was talking to, to the rose about yeah, uh, it was who, was, four. Yeah, who was more attractive uh or like uh she says that like uh that he could never pull off that hat her husband was more attractive and then he's like what are you talking about i'm an uber four <laughs> oh i got i got so how about this since jeff rocked a cowboy hat how about on a scale of one to ten gallon hats how much did you like this episode okay 
Um, do they do so hats I, in decimal points? I, I don't know. That's up to, uh, I guess, Keith to decide. Well, they definitely do fractions. Like someone's ha- someone's head size is like seven and one eighth or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so for me, I, w- I will agree that this was not the strongest of the season. I definitely liked last week's more even, but I saw that it was a fair episode. And I also love the Linda Moe Miranda stuff. It might just be my personal proclivities. Uh, I'm going to go. Uh, give me give me seven gallons. Seven gallons. I don't know. I don't know what that measures out in metric, but yeah, yeah. All right, that's passing. Okay. Uh, yeah, I feel like a seven is uh, right around there. I feel like that there were parts of the episode that were fantastic, other things that didn't work as well. I think seven is a very solid grade for this episode. So you're going seven two. I will say, people have been saying we've been too hard on on the uh, season, and so uh, people were a couple of people said like hey i binged it and you guys were hard because like when you watch them in a row and you're not worried about podcasting and nitpicking everything like you laugh five ten times an episode mm-hmm. there are very few shows where you're just loling during the episode yeah um so that being said i'm gonna go with uh seven and a quarter but let that hat size that goes at the centimeters so i give it a 57.8 centimeters this episode <laughs> okay there you go all right um let's get into our curb mailbag and uh talk about some of your questions of course uh for our season finale uh perhaps series finale uh, no, we see we're gonna talk about the seinfeld episodes of curb uh at some point so not a series finale uh but what's well, the series finale of this podcast yes in uh, theory uh, why the, the the seinfeld episodes of curb are going to be in the seinfeld podcast feed but not this one well i think there's more people people well they could be in both but i think i think we've already put it in both i think they should fine we'll put them in both but so then it's not really this it's just the season finale season finale okay the 2017 finale how about 2017 fall finale okay garrett says now that the fatwa is lifted and the musical is back on and since we haven't heard anything about sammy's wedding in a while do you think episode 10 will be based on sammy's wedding do you think it'd be more like the season four finale with the episode centering around larry david's musical all right so the next time on shows a lot of scenes from sammy's wedding yet the episode is entitled fatwa keeve yeah so we're not done with the musical i don't think we're totally done with the fatwa at the very least we're gonna have a fake fake out fatwa maybe Mm -hmm. um i I think we're gonna get uh, a little bit of both yeah yep and i also hear that i think a lot of callbacks since it's such been it's been such a callback centric season i think we're gonna have a lot of people show up again that we've seen this season Mm -hmm. and i heard that this was one of the longest episodes of curb until next week so again if there's no question yes if there's even more time dedicated you can if if it it becomes like 54 minutes that's essentially like almost two curb episodes in one so you really could do like one episode one half is focused on the wedding the other half is focused on the musical outright okay all right um did we cover this question from dominic about have we considered making the move to become a cowboy hat guy i mean i would do the experiment to see if you know that for if that really is a thing to see if uh like i got more attention from people but i think that i would just look like an idiot i think you should try it once you just do it once and see if uh you know see if your wife is into it and if not you know never speak of it again yeah i guess so tyson has become a cowboy hat guy I think it works on him, though. I think Tyson's mm-hmm. like has the look that almost any look works for him. I'm well, not Tyson, sure. If Tyson we has that. the long hair, so he has a little bit of like that, uh, like I don't know, hard eyes, steel eyed glare, spaghetti western type of hero with the cowboy hat. Mm, okay. All right. What does Craig from Vancouver have to say, Keeve? Uh, Bridget said that non disclosure agreement for sex has never existed before, but she must really be dedicated to censoring things as a sex non disclosure agreement is basically the plot of Fifty Shades of Grey. But again, that's just sort of like 
tawdry. Oh, like, you know, it's not like if uh, the Christian Grey was like harassing women and that's why they had to sign this NDA, then right. they, they could just like uh, come forward and say like, you know, and then, you know, whatever, he'll sue her. But, you know, then his career will be over. Right. He, right. Right. Christian Grey will get, uh, he, you know, he might he might get in trouble. From in what I've read, uh, it seems like then a lot of people just threaten to sue and then they never actually bring the lawsuit forward because they don't want to call more attention to it. All right. That's fair. OK. Uh, what about Vicky? Uh, she doesn't understand why Larry would pay twenty five hundred dollars. So the shucker wouldn't te- wouldn't tell that Larry fell asleep during Hamilton. If Larry's willing to pay for a ticket, he could have spent less than a ticket broker to buy the shucker ticket. Yeah. So she wants. But he'd have to take the ticket back. I don't know if there's like maybe he'd save a 500 bucks or something. But he, again, he still now he has to pay for another ticket. Let's say that's 500 or a thousand dollars. And he still has to pay the trucker off because he's getting a worse seat and he's got to make this exchange. So I don't think it's going to be a big uh, boon for him financially yeah. to make that deal. I mean, couldn't Larry just uh, really undercut the shucker and then just tell Lin-Manuel Miranda about how he fell asleep? Uh, he played 36 holes of golf. I mean, I feel like of all the things that Larry discloses to people, would that be the worst yeah. thing in the world? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make it. And Chester's about to say the same thing. Yeah. By the way, how bored must Lin-Manuel Miranda's wife be uh, going to go see Hamilton? Oh man, how many times she must have seen it fifty uh, times? She must That's hate nuts. Hamilton. Oh yeah, oh, she's, she's, she's probably the equivalent of like that one stage parent who like has to go see every performance of their kids' musical because they have to drive them home afterwards, and like they can basically mouth the words along with them at this point. Like, not to dare imply that any of my podcasts are Hamilton level, but the, mm. the to the torture it would be for my wife to listen to any episode of the my same podcast <laughs> twice, twice, let alone LMM, Mrs. LMM, uh, for a thousandth time. It's got to be torture. No? I mean, it's a beautiful type of torture, if anything. Mm, I bet she hates it. Can't stand it. No, is that too hot to take? I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know if she's necessarily imploring him, hey, write something new so I don't get bored out of my mind. She, she could also just not go if she wants to. Uh, and maybe it was because, like, I, maybe there's an idea that, like, she decided to go because he had invited Larry specifically because he's like, hey, I've got this new project. You know, this is something that I'm, I'm working on. Uh, let's bring I want bring him in and then we'll be able to uh, if you can sit with him, that would be great. I don't know if she necessarily goes every single night. Keith, you know who the most likely person to be asleep during a performance of Hamilton is? Who's that? Mrs. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh, it's got to be brutal. <laughs> All right. Um, I, you know, I went to like a, a, a uh, what's it called? I went to like a, uh, like a, a play recital, like dance thing that my daughter had to do. And yeah. like when I go to the basketball games or the gymnastics competition, like there's like winners and losers and like it's really exciting to watch actually it's like Mm -hmm. more exciting than watching your favorite team in a sporting event but the worst like hell is like a three-hour recital or like a three-hour school show where your daughter's in it for 30 seconds two hours and 45 minutes in so you can't leave it's brutal all right finally chester writes in to say why did larry and leon go to mrs shapiro's house to reclaim the plant discuss taking the dog in the head and then leave without even taking the plant i mean i don't even know why larry wants the plant back i mean i think that she did him a favor at the point where she took the plant yeah I don't know, no, isn't, but- isn't larry sort of uh mo just the idea of it's the principle of the thing yeah. i feel like he said that so many times that 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 sort of yeah, he should win and it and then throw the plant in the garbage mm-hmm. in front of her <laughs> okay 
Uh, Chester writes in to say, in season two's Thor, Larry explains he has never done anything kinky with Cheryl in case she'd tell people after they divorced. This directly contradicts Tahoe. Also, in the beginning of the episode, the implication is that Larry did something humiliating in Tahoe that he wouldn't want anyone to know. But later, Larry explains that Tahoe Larry provides endless orgasms. If this is indeed what happened in Tahoe, why would Larry be embarrassed about it? Uh, Wouldn't he want Cheryl announcing it to every single woman in L.A.? And then I would also like to add a much like uh, Rose Shapiro, I would like to add another. Another piece of evidence to the puzzle of that Larry uh, once infamously had a hair that was caught on his tonsil, uh, which uh, I believe was uh, not of a of a head. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how we triangulate all of this. It's tricky. Mike. You were once a man whore. You know anything about this stuff? <laughs> no, hashtag not all man whores. Uh, I, I yeah, I mean, it seems I don't I for it being as family friendly a podcast as possible. I will try to not go down the what ifs of what could have happened at Tahoe, but I don't know. I feel like it involves some sort of like role playing or costume like things. Mm. Uh, but I do I do see Chester's point that there does seem to be some like Larry seems to constantly be contradicting himself. But which seems like again very in character for Larry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, what could Larry have attempted uh, that would have uh, caused sh- you know the Ted Danson snicker? But then in Larry's mind, orgasms galore. I mean, there might have been a bait and switch. You know, um, that Larry might have just been promising the orgasms galore, which does seem counterintuitive for Larry. But I think that he might have just wanted Bridget to sign the NDA. It's possible, yeah. Okay. All right. And then after watching Jeff cheat on Susie for so many years, it's great to see her finally getting some right from the shucker. I will say this. Yeah, I thought this was like compared to what Jeff did with the real estate agent. uh, I thought this was, you know, her making him buy the house was some nice retribution. But I feel like this on top of it, it's not necessarily two wrongs making a right. But I thought it was a nice way to balance out the scales in a way. Mm -hmm. Also, like the shucker's the last guy. Like if you're going to get cucked. By the shucker, the shucker cucking. The, the the last. Watch out, Bridget. Bridget might censor that word. It sounds a little yeah. too close. The, the, like, like if my wife's going to cheat on me, I like. Hopefully, it'll be with like a nice, uh, you know, like uh, regular person, not with this sleazy shucker. Now, the oyster is like, an aphrodisiac. People. They say, Keith. That's how they get you to spend so much money on it. I guess, but I don't. This guy is like, if I lost to this guy, I'd be pretty mad. It's like if I get my date some oysters, then maybe this is going to go in a different direction. Maybe that's why that why that guy ordered oysters. Well, that <laughs> might have been a story told before this episode started. Maybe. All right. All right. Uh, great job. Is uh, did uh, Shucker Cucker uh, come in at the last second for the hashtag? Oh, I don't know if anyone's going to use that hashtag. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, it's I can think of one or... of our listeners that might. <laughs> <laughs> it might be. Uh, it's between that or like unscalp or wings too. So really, a plethora of or, or, or the Shucker hashtags. Shocker, which might have been something else. Fine, that, Shucker uh, Shocker is fine. That's good. That's, that's a lot more kosher than Stephen Weber. I'm, I'm on the podcast. You can't not have a full bloom hashtag with reference to Curb Your Enthusiasm, right? Okay. All right. Uh, great job. Of course, uh, you could follow the great A Mike Bloom type. Uh, Mike, what podcast are you working on this week? 
Uh, so this week, there's a lot going on in terms of scripted stuff. Uh, I have been doing SNL recaps with Rich Tackenberg. That's going to come back this weekend. I do a movie podcast with AJ Mass called The Hamster Factor. I was also just on a podcast last night called The Franchise, where I talked about my thoughts on Jurassic Park 1 and 2, one I loved, one not so much. In terms of uh, reality television, I do exit interviews for Parade for the Survivor season. I have, as Rob mentioned before, a weekly podcast called The RHAP B&B, which is a bunch of silly survivor shenanigans every week so uh lots of stuff in the hopper and Man, thank you, you so much for having just on. to remind this stuff don't just like voice carry browsing onto me though i, I don't know <laughs> do, you if I like a, do you have like a like a sheet like a, like you got to keep track of all this stuff like this google is, calendar would, is my biffle wow i would i would forget i would forget and like miss half these podcasts i would sleep through them okay all right and uh Akiva, what's going up on the 32 fans podcast i don't know chester like brought his kid to work today so we didn't record it so we'll record it tomorrow but uh when you he know, brought his sure kid to work? I think so. I'm not sure why, but that he said it's it, it, one of those like post Thanksgiving, like the kids are not back yet. I feel like this is like work. the day people work, right? Like no one worked for five days. Now everyone's like mailbox. You have a thousand emails in there. Like, I don't know why. Uh, I don't know why you do that, but he's, you know, maybe he's lying. Maybe he just doesn't want to podcast with me. Okay. All right. Well, uh, great job, Keith. Great job, Mike Bloom. Uh, thanks so much to Scott St. Pierre putting this all together. We'll, we'll be back after next week's Curb season finale here on the Curb Enthusiasm Poster Recap. Send us your emails, curb at postshowrecaps.com. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.